welcome to the podcast. We're in just like that. Nice. nice. <laughs> this is weird doing a midday podcast. I'm not yeah. used to recording them in the middle of the day. Is this the first midday one we've done? It's the first midday one I've done. I mean, you've done a lot more podcasts than me, Mark, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, it's that's uh, no, it's good. It's good to get there off work and all that, and yeah, yeah. focus on the podcast. But, um, yeah, could we start with who you are and uh, what you're all about and uh, where you're from as well? Okay, um, so I'm Max. Uh, I am co-founder of a branding agency uh, called Ragged Edge. Uh, we're based in Farringdon in London. Nice. Um, yeah, with Ragged Edge, I mean, you've got a bit of philosophy on the website and a bit about it. Uh, can we talk about what the name means and if, what the philosophy behind that and what it inspires? Yeah, of course. Um, so, Ragged Edge, we, um, we, we focus on a particular kind of type of client and a particular type of business uh, that we describe as change makers. Um, and typically, they are kind of businesses that are pretty fast growing, fast changing, and uh, some kind of a, an inflection point in the business where things are happening either inside the business or outside the business that are, are creating kind of rapid change. Uh, and so our job at Racket, Ragged Edge is to help um, help companies and organizations make that change uh, through branding. Uh, and so what we've learned um, about change is that it's quite hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you need to do is you really need to push things, um, particularly with brands. Uh, if you kind of need to be a little bit uncomfortable um, in terms of the strategic thinking behind the work and also the creative uh, and, and not feeling like the category, not feeling like convention and really trying to push things from a point of view, from a creative point of view to the ragged edge um, of what's possible. Uh, I think you can probably see where the, the name comes from. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> uh, how, how does that work with the, the process and getting that sort of um, philosophy over to the client? How does it? How do they get on board with that? Or, or do you specifically only work with those people that are on board with it already? Yeah, the latter. So right. I think part of our process and the story that we tell, you said you've been on the website, uh, so on there, on social media, um, on podcasts like this is that we're very focused on a specific type of client uh, and we're really clear about what we do to try and help those types of clients so the from the first time the client learns about us through to the kind of new business meetings and proposals and things um, it's really really clear that you're get we're going to work in a certain way and if you're a client um, that's either going to be right for you or it isn't um, it's really important either way that that we both figure that out um, early on. And quite often it'll be a conversation and we'll realize that actually the type of work they're looking to do might not align with um, what we do, and in which case that's totally fine. But then with the clients where the work is right and where their uh, vision and where their ambition uh, and their kind of open-mindedness is there, then it's really clear from our point of view that they're gonna be a good fit and that our way of working will work for them. Nice. Do, do you think this chat translates over to sort of one person, independent designers as well, freelancers that are doing a bit on the side? And because um, I'm really, you've, you've you know, we're working with more local businesses. Is that a conscious effort to, mm -hmm. to work with any people you want to work with? And how, how does the the philosophy of working with certain types of clients 
um, sort of scale up to the agency sort of level? I think one of the things that I've learned is that the temptation in any kind of business um, is to want to be all things to all people. But yeah, I definitely struggle yeah. with that. Yeah, right. And but when you look at any successful business, um, that's not what they do. And they're really, really, the best ones are really, really focused on, at least to begin with, doing one thing really, really well. So by doing that, you do limit the type of people you can work with, but also you make it much, much more likely that you're going to win that work um, from those that are right for you. Uh, and so you, what you do is you kind of reduce your number of competitors. So it kind of, it's a bit scary. And as an agency, we've kind of got narrower and narrower in terms of the type of our focus and the types of clients we do. And I would imagine that from a freelance point, it's exactly the same. It kind of might seem unintuitive, but I can sort of promise from experience that the definitely the benefits outweigh that scary risk factor at the beginning. Is this is this what we're talking about when we're niching down? Is this is that sort of the same conversation? Yeah. <sighs> Say that again. Sorry. Is, it, is this the same sort of conversation as niching down or finding like a, a niche client to work with? Because for me, it was definitely football clients and working with people in, within the football space, and then eventually getting the job at Arsenal. But um, when Millie wants obviously wants to work with small businesses, is this the same thing as just sort of honing in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just being really clear about what you're good at. And Millie, if your focus is on small business, you'll know the unique challenges they face. Uh, and even though you yeah. might have kind of different types of business, right? They'll all have, because they all share a certain set of characteristics, you can adapt your approach for them. And that's going to be much Yeah, exactly. And I'd imagine you find that's, that's much, feels really relevant to them then. And they get the feel like they understand the, you, you understand the problems they're facing and you have a level of empathy and intuition uh, about what they're going through it makes you much better fit than someone who might be all things to all people yeah it's true there's that saying isn't there that if you try and please everyone you'll please no one yes which i think is really relevant in this in this sort of sense is that if you try and be spread out over the whole industry or different industries or whatever it is then you become like a what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> You're not specialised enough in anything. Totally. Yeah. No one can be good. No, exactly. As much as we can try. <laughs> there was um. This is a quite a nice sort of unique uh, podcast because you've got two, well, three people on very different ends of all, all the career journeys and scale and things. Small business working and then they've got eight people working at agencies so it'd be interesting to chat through the change in the covid and what that means for the whole industry having the both ends of the scale um on this chat and the podcast um so yeah. really starting off have you have you seen much of a change in like clients coming in and, and it'll obviously go back to you max as well the same sort of question i feel like this is a this is a weird question for me because obviously my business kind of only launched this year so i haven't to um because as well three years um as an independent designer it's been alongside uni or alongside working part-time or anything like that so covid is all i've ever known <laughs> as, as a like a full-time independent designer and like owning my own company um and actually it just keeps getting busier and busier but then that could be 
it could be COVID related. It could be because um, I've noticed that a lot of people who have approached me, they've come up with ideas for businesses or starting new businesses that have been born in lockdown because people have had the spare time to do so. But then it could also just be because my business is growing as it would be in the early stages. So I don't know. I feel like I'm in a, a strange place to talk about it. What an amazing way to start a company, though. I mean, if you can succeed in this yeah. environment, it's, gonna be... it's, uh, it's building my confidence, I'll put it that way. Yeah? <laughs> and it's uh, testing, too. I mean, if I can do it now and with everything that's been going on, then surely it can only get easier, maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's a naive thing to think. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to kill it. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, so Max, how has this affected um, the agencies and especially Ragged Edge? I can only really speak for Ragged Edge, um, at least in detail. Um, I, I think what we um, realized very early on was that it was going to affect us. Um, we had a number of clients. In fact, almost all of our clients were pretty seriously affected in one way, shape, or form. Uh, some in ways that we kind of almost hadn't really predicted. Uh, and so at the beginning of April, um, our work just kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, and we had um, existing projects that were sort of paused or slowed down or cancelled. We had kind of ongoing clients who reduced their spend uh, overnight. Uh, and then we had a whole bunch of like new projects that were lined up uh, that then just for whatever reason didn't quite happen or wanted a rescope and make it um, a much more <coughs> project or, or whatever it was. Yeah. So it was pretty scary. Um, but I think what we've seen since is there was that shock. And ever since then, it's been just slowly climbing up back to normal. Um, our personal experience, and I think this will be different for every agency, just because every agency's client mix is different. They'll all be affected in different ways. But our personal experience is that we're, we're somewhere back to normal now. Um, there seems to be, we seem to be getting a lot of new business inquiries. We've, we've won quite a bit of work over the past couple of months. So it's, it's encouraging. <laughs> Um, mm. Certainly, wasn't. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, put it like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you think lockdown two will uh, affect it much for either of you? What do you think, Millie? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's a strange one because I think in the first one, as you say, it was like a shock. Everybody was like, "Oh my god, what, what's going to happen? Like, is well, is the world ever going to go back to normal?" Whereas I think now that we've sort of I think in all senses, whether you, you talk about business or you're talking about just normal day-to-day -day life, it's not a shock this time. Everybody, we've been there, we've done it, and everyone knows that life is going to continue at some point. So you can't just put everything on hold, especially when it comes to businesses who do have the money. They can't just put everything on pause just to see what happens. Like A lot of people are using this time to get these things done, like rebrands and having a new website built and now is the time because they might not have as much traffic or as much other stuff going on within the business and they can deal with the admin side of it so I I think it will be all right personally but yeah again I might I don't know as I said I, I was sort of at the start I was in in uh, back in lockdown one I was just sort of getting off the ground so it was a, a strange situation to be in so fingers crossed it will be all right I suppose I think all I can do is hope and try my best with it yeah yeah and you're, you're to, to make sure you're um, inclined of, of getting back to normal normality or before the coronavirus. Yeah. So it's, it's still going up and you, you still you think you'll be all right, you're still carrying on? I think, as Millie says, it is different this time around because part of the shock was everyone having to 
to figure out a whole new way of doing things. Okay. Yeah. People didn't really know what to expect and everyone's having to suddenly all work from home and there were just so many unknowns that it, it would have been crazy just to carry on as normal, like businesses had to stop and reassess. Whereas I think that's mm. different now uh, and people have used to the environment, they're used to this kind of new way of working from home. Yeah. They're sort of figuring out a way through and they've started to realise, I think, that just life has to go on uh, and you know, businesses, whichever businesses they're part of, they need to keep moving. Uh, and so, exactly that, yeah. Yeah, so like you, I'm sort of cautiously optimistic that things will keep going. But of course, like I think none of us really know to be the characteristics of 2020 have been pretty <laughs> unpredictable. That's yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's, uh, we've seen a lot of, of people furloughed as well in the first lockdown, and, and obviously that's come from a bit of a shockwave with unknowns. But um, do, you, do you see that happening in the second second lockdown as well? Do you think that it would be a similar thing or are companies trying to save money here and there? Or um, I'm not actually sure what the government are doing around furloughing. So the furlough... Yeah, it's been extended, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is, is good and, and needed to happen. I think, I think it really depends on the types of business. So obviously, like if you're a hospitality business, a bar or a restaurant or something, you're going to be in real trouble because they're not allowed to be open. Um, right. Whereas yeah. other businesses that can just carry on operating, um, they'll be in a completely different situation. And as I said, so I think it's very much dependent on specific businesses and specific sectors. We'll define it. I think it's it's another thing as well like we were saying it's not as much of a shock this time around i feel like businesses are transitioning into this second lockdown a lot more comfortably i know my parents are in their own business and when the the lockdown happened last time they just sharp shop because they didn't really know whether they were supposed to be operating or what was really happening whereas this time they know they're allowed to continue whereas as, as you said like a lot of businesses did just sort of pause and stop everything because they didn't really know what was happening Whereas this time everyone's used to it now, it's been going on for months and everybody kind of has a bit more of an idea of what what's going on. I mean, none of us really have much of an idea because it's not overly clear on the messaging, is it? But um, yeah, I think people have a bit more of an idea of how a lockdown is going to affect them and what, what their business can do. Yeah, and I think the fact that the government have put at least some kind of an end date on it is helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think when it first happened, we just had no idea, did we? Yeah, yeah. At least it's before Christmas this time, but hopefully, if it all goes. Um, Cross. I was wondering about the Christmas thing. If it was just going to be a real lockdown until then, and then just Christmas Day, just anyone could do what they want, and then the next day, it's back to lockdown. I just. <laughs> I feel like that is potentially what they might do. I I had some scientific advice the other day, be like. Oh, we could have like a next to normal Christmas, maybe for like three days, and then we just go back into a lockdown. I was like, really? <laughs> Is that a good idea? I'm not really sure about that one. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, Coronavirus is on Christmas holiday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've we've changed in, in the industry. Um, how have a ragged edge going to be preparing for the second lockdown? If you're going to be doing any of that, or are you just going to sort of slide into it, um, into the second one? So, as an agency, we've obviously we've done this once already now, so we kind of feel like we know what we're doing. Um, we've had to be really 
smart and like change change the way slightly we think about all the financial side of things and obviously we've been running tons of different scenarios from a kind of cash flow projections and yeah. um, and because our business is quite project based as I'd obviously really I'd imagine yours is the same um, it, it's quite hard to see into the future in terms of work so you kind of have to be constantly juggling these these different scenarios so we've done a lot of that um, we feel reasonably confident i don't think we need to we're not we're not going to switch up the way we work um because everything is done broadly remotely now uh, as it is so all the processes and things just carry on as usual um we just um won't be able to go out for dinner when we get home yeah <laughs> do you think you'll uh you'll continue working remotely after after eventually everything clears up we're definitely going to keep the studio yeah 100 uh, percent and that's, that's really important to us. Um, I think one thing we've learned over this period is that remote working, there's lots of uh, pros and lots of good things about it, but there's also lots of cons. And specifically for a business like ours, which is really, like our work is really, really collaborative. And like it, the, the strength of it is in the collaboration between strategists and designers and writers and stuff. So. For us, it's very difficult to replicate that remotely. Uh, you can do it, but it, it's much harder and takes much more effort. So we will continue. We will have a, a studio. Like people, we would spend most of the people will spend most of the time in the studio. But obviously, I think like every business, there'll be probably a bit more uh, flexibility than there might otherwise have been previously. And uh, I think we'll try and get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you see an like an industry change at all, or is it? Um, do, you, do you think long term the design industry will just spring back, or because you're seeing a lot of yeah, if we, our podcast is aimed at younger designers, so we're talking to a lot of younger designers, and it seems like there's um, there's a bit of a shortage for jobs and people are hiring less. But yeah. I mean, is that is that what you're seeing as well? Is, is less people hiring, um, there's less people coming in. Yeah, I, I, the jobs opportunities are rare. Um, okay. Um, for obvious reasons, um, you know, people have been just trying to save their businesses. Right. Um, so it's not really been a huge opportunity to hire. And even if, even if people think that they do need extra to add team members, it, because everything is so unpredictable, it, you'd have to be quite brave um, to make those. Yeah. We, we actually are hiring at the moment, not, not designers, but we're hiring a, um, we just hired a, a writing role. Uh, we're looking for strategists and things. So, the, uh, and I know there are a few companies out there who are looking, but yeah, it's going to be. I think it will be hard in the short term, but I do believe that it. This is a temporary thing. And design business yeah. bounce back, and I think those roles will be there. And you know, talent is talent, and our industry needs talent and fresh ideas and new ideas. So. Um, the roles will come, but I think it might just take a, you know, a few months to do that. Is, is there any advice you give yeah. to uh, new, new creatives coming through, like people just graduated university now finding it hard to get a job? Keep grafting. Um, it is going to be harder, and so, but don't get disheartened. Um, we're all in the same position, like whether it's agencies like Ragged Edge who are like having to fight harder for work through to. Um, graduates who are trying to fight harder to get jobs. Like everyone's having to, you know, not getting everything their own way at the moment. 
but I think have faith in your ability, trust in what you're doing, um, use the opportunity to you know learn new skills, get better at the things that um, you're already good at, and get rid of any weaknesses, and um, just try and use the opportunity to come out stronger. Tell you something that I noticed that was really interesting on this sort of note is um, I was added to a group the other day, another sort of young designers group on Facebook, and I would say probably 80% of the people introducing themselves in that group said that they'd started doing their own freelance or independent design work since May, because a lot of them are obviously either coming out of uni or lost a job or something like that, and it's just like there's all of a sudden this massive surge of young people, young designers doing it themselves because they can't get jobs. There aren't the jobs about. I had the exact same struggle back in May when I finished uni and thought, tell you what, I'll get a job for a few years and then I'm going to try and start doing my own thing. There weren't any jobs. <laughs> there was no there was no openings. There was just nothing. So I just had to go for it and um, try by myself and just see what happened. But I'm definitely not the only person who did that. There are so many people who have, have done that. And I think it that's such a good thing because when the the industry does get back on its feet and the jobs are out there again and people are hiring people are going to have so much experience and it's going to be great yeah i agree with that and you know any time of strife and we, we ragged edge we started our um agency during the um the financial crisis back in uh, 2007. okay uh, and it's the same thing and those those periods for like where you guys sort of young designers, young talent who haven't got the overheads and haven't got yeah. lots of different things that bigger agencies have. It's a real opportunity um, because people will be looking to you know do things more efficiently, do things in a new way, and if you offer that new way, then yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. But one thing, one thing as well is is you're seeing a lot of. Um, uh, sort of reflection pieces or um, what's the word like uh, I don't know what the word is now <laughs> like people creating artwork in in a protest or mm. um, response I guess uh, to you know down measures or just just trying to make the world happier or make someone smile about something or just pick up on a point that Boris said and, and make it funny or I don't know yeah there's a lot of that going on, on online and it's great I think there's a real need for that right now as well, and just to make people smile and, and create amazing work, just to just keep ticking over. Um, yeah, and, and well, you did it as well with the um, support of the the uh, all together for the NHS stuff as well. So that was. Can you talk a bit about that and um, how you got involved with it and uh, and what it is? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, how did we get involved in it? So um, it was it was it was run by a, um, a company called Made by Layers. Uh, do you know those guys? Do you know what they do? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Okay, so they um, sort of a pretty niche thing, but really cool. They so they create um, a bunch of kind of PSD templates for mockups and things okay. like. So, like, if you need to mock your work up on a billboard or something like that, instead of having to go and use the same one that everyone else is using, you'll go out and photograph uh, one specially. You can just use one of their kind of templates and things. Uh, and so what they did was they um, they asked a bunch of agencies, we knew them already because we, we use their services, uh, and they asked a bunch of agencies if we, they could create some posters to live on those templates. Uh, and so uh, that's what we did, and we worked with a, um, an illustrator called April, April Methan, 
uh, to create our little um, ones of the, um, the waving out the window, supporting clapping for the NHS. Uh, and a bunch of agencies did the, did the same. And I think what was really cool about that was it felt like it was it was another example of like all, what you've just described with the positivity and all the different agencies who'd normally be competing against each other uh, coming together um, to try and do something positive and, and try and create some support for obviously a very very good cause that we're all hugely grateful for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a really lovely, uh, lovely project as well. And these reaction pieces, like I say, it's it's, it's nice to see a bit of positivity and sort of light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. Um, I wonder, I wonder how many of those will be carried on, or more people will be doing that sort of thing now. Um, I hope so. Yeah, hopefully it carries on, and and you see amazing illustrators continue to do good work and put it out there. Um, you see a lot of editorial stuff like that, and it's it's great. It's it's really fun um, and good to see. Yeah, but, uh, anything positive at the moment, and obviously like looking yeah. over the Atlantic and what's going on in the US at the moment, like anything positive <laughs> on social media at the moment that keeps people smiling and you know, having a wry look at things rather than just the other stuff that's going on is, you know, yeah, that the better. How, how important is it for, for in? independent creatives or people that don't have much work on right now um, to just keep going and creating these sort of things rather than taking a break or rather than sort of sitting back I, I, what, what's the ideal sort of situation to be in if you haven't got much work on or what, what should you do um so i can only really speak from you know our point of view and, and what i might do but whenever we've been short of work um i think what we've learned is You've got to kind of keep, yeah. You've got to just keep out there, uh, and you've got to keep reminding yeah. that you're there, uh, and you've got to keep doing stuff. And being short of work, as you kind of pointed to, is, is is kind of like an opportunity, really, because it means that you can focus on, you know, whether it's like updating your website and your folio, or whether it's doing something a bit more interesting and creating some protest graphics or um, whatever it is. But just keeping something that's getting your story out. I think the one thing, going back to the sort of initial questions you had around uh, Ragged Edge and, and, and what we stood for, I think the one thing that's really important to do is make sure that the story that you're telling as an independent creative is consistent uh, and whatever you're doing is building that brand and building that sense of expertise in that specific area, uh, whatever you're doing, rather than just churning out stuff for the sake of it and just like thinking about yeah. thinking about yourself as a brand, right? Yeah. How, how are you doing that, Millie? Like, what what are you what are your thought processes when thinking about building yeah. a brand or thinking about rotation? Well, exactly that. So what I did, Mark, we talked about this loads. Um, when I was stuck at the end of May and I had like a couple of clients who were interested, but obviously I only had drips and drabs of work that I'd done over the last three years, and only some that I was actually proud of. Um, so I decided to just go ahead and create a bunch of passion projects, I suppose, as you'd call them, and come up with fake brands and do their branding for them, <laughs> because obviously I didn't have an awful lot of real work to do. I just acted as if I did, and um, it, it taught me new things. It gave me a chance to experiment with styles that I hadn't had a go with before. It gave me a chance to play without obviously having client expectations and scales. And it, the, they were frozen 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I've for ages, <laughs> didn't I? How far did you catch? Because <laughs> oh. I was just waffling on. Most <laughs> of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, most of it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll just carry on from where I was then, I suppose. Um, yeah, it gave me a chance to experiment with different styles, with different softwares, different things that um, I might not have used before or had a chance to use if I was doing client work without the timescales or the client expectations. Um, and they, they were great portfolio pieces. It's stuff that I've now put on my website and I have clients come to me because they've seen this work that I've created that wasn't for a client and that there was no real reason for me to do it other than to literally create examples of the type of work I want to be doing and I, I heard I can't remember who it was who said I think this is just like a general thing but I heard it from a creative once that like do more of the work that you want to be doing so I would create these brands that were small businesses like coffee shops and independent clothing companies and um then I makeup um and beauty salons and things like that and all sorts of these tiny little startup type businesses that I would want to work with I just yeah made them up <laughs> and uh, created for them and that that sort of reiterates because there was there was a time where I just create illust- illustration work for the sake of creating illustration work but that wasn't helping reiterate me as a as a brand designer I needed to be doing branding work I needed to be doing the stuff that I wanted to get more of and do more of Brilliant. That makes is sense. that just still using <laughs> stuff as part of your portfolio now yeah yeah so I still use it and um, it's great because it means that when clients come to you, you can you can prove that you've done something similar, even though it wasn't for a client. You, it gives you a lot more experience. That's, that's, is that the key? Like when you're starting out, it's, it's sort of eventually just to replace that work once you you build on top of it, sort of like the layers, like the foundations, I guess. So that's exactly what. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And like honestly, we're still doing that. Um, and yeah like obviously we're, we're as an agency we're always trying to get better um and so we're always trying to build on our existing case studies and like if we've got like say 10 case studies that we share yeah. kind of clients like how can we replace the 10 we've got at the moment with 10 that are even better so you're always trying to, to improve it whether you're you know, a freelancer or like an agency like us um there's always room to to get better is, is there yeah, interesting exactly. Sorry, really. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. You, regulation has like a clear definition of what you are and a clear goal to work towards. Is that something that you, you think all, all designers should have, or like all, all agencies or all independent designers should have? Because I, I've had this, I've had this idea in my head for a while. I haven't really put a finger on it of having like a, a life goal to aim to. In this case, this is where the podcast gets a bit strange. But about it. having, <laughs> but having um, like a one sort of purpose thing and and. For me, reading right on the website and, and knowing a little bit about your studio, it's, it's a bit like Regulators is about change and embracing change and, and working with change, and yeah, that's all a part of it. Um, how how can we do that? How can like how can I make uh, like a saying that I, I stick by for the rest of my life? Or what? <laughs> well, well, how did you, how did you come up with that? Like how? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, so people talk about like having a big, hairy, audacious goal, don't they? <laughs> Have you heard yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that idea of having something that's like real stretch, um, mm. really hard to get to. And then I guess you can just sort of figure out a plan about how you get there. And really, that's that's all we did really. And our ambition always since we started was um, to be one of the best agencies in the world. 
and we knew that wasn't going to come easily. <laughs> we knew it wasn't going to come instantly, uh, but we've been building towards that over the past. You know, we've been around thirteen years, uh, and and having that as your vision and your goal, uh, like a really like tangible thing, albeit an audacious thing, um, just means that then you can plan for it. Um, so I would wholeheartedly agree that just having something in your mind mm. doesn't have to be world domination. <laughs> <laughs> but like something that you really, really want, and it might be um, a few like it might be like rebranding Arsenal or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, that'd be good. Um, yeah, really. Do you have any uh, big world domination plans? <laughs> do you have any uh, big goals? I don't Wi-Fi. Oh, I'm frozen again, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. I'll start again there. Um, yeah, I think it's a strange one when you're so early on in your career because I'm not entirely sure where it's going to go. My, I would love to one day own my own design agency. That would be the dream. Um, but then what happens when I get to that point, when I get to the owning a design agency, then there'd have to be a new goal for that agency. So yeah, I suppose for me at the moment, it, it's getting to that stage and then, yeah, what happens when you achieve it? What happens if Ragged Edge becomes the best design agency in the world? Then what would it be? You know what I mean? Everybody's got their own their own versions of goals and what, what feels like almost impossible to achieve. But then what happens when you do? <laughs> uh, I think you're never done, are you? You're never done and... If you exactly. if you get to that level, it shows you're a certain sort of person that's got a certain level of ambition, and those kind of people like would very rarely settle. So, um, but I think exactly. it, it sounds like yeah, it sounds like um, you're well on the way, right? Um, and the fact that you've got your own clients, winning your own clients, uh, that's you know you're basically that's an agency, isn't it? <laughs> like, right. when, you know, freelancer and, and become an agency like I don't know so when you take on someone else that's when I always call myself an agency when I when I'm sort of selling it on my website and things like that but then um, when people go okay so who's on your team and it's like um me myself and I <laughs> is it currently but one day I'd, I'd love to sort of scale it up and work with other people because obviously collaboration is such a big thing and quite often I end up working with other creatives whether I outsource work or uh, even down to just start asking advice or um yeah it'd be great to, to work within a team but um be able to sort of lead that that'd be that'd be the dream so um so Baby that's, steps. that's how regular started uh so that i was doing yeah. exactly what you're doing um now and okay. for me like so i'm talking about all this stuff like you should have bigger aerial audacious goals and stuff i think at the time all i cared about was like having enough money to eat <laughs> yeah. uh, and it happened uh, quite organically and I, I met my business partner and there were some projects that I couldn't do on my own mainly because they required you to have like to be able to code which my business partner could do and so like together we were suddenly an agency versus a, a one-man band and he helped on mm -hmm. a company uh, just one thing led to another so it'll happen if you if that's what you're aiming for it'll happen sooner than you think you just got open to it and ready for it yeah well i hope you're right i really do now that, that's how i plan to move is sort of organically and it all just sort of 
work <laughs> somehow but it's it's not that easy is it there's a lot of hard work and late nights and blood sweat and tears that goes into it but yeah hopefully this is this is a way to do it yeah yeah it's uh, i mean if you can make it work now <laughs> as, <I> say, <laughs> yeah. as you say yeah yeah it'll be 30 person agency by the end of the year <laughs> Yeah, two months to do it. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> Digging a bit deeper into that, though, what, what can younger designers learn from your start and uh, the Ragged Edge, starting up Ragged Edge and, and finding new people and growing? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know more about that. <laughs> um, Let's put you on the spot a bit. <laughs> so, uh, the one thing that I think stood me in, in really good set of stead was knowing what I couldn't do as well as what I could and being aware that surrounding myself by people that could do things that I couldn't, whether that was code a website or um, uh, you know, 3D motion or any of those kind of 3D or motion or any of those kind of things. And just like surrounding yourself with really talented people um, was the thing that unlocked it for Ragged Edge. So I would, if I'd have thought, like if Ragged Edge, if I'd have relied just on my design ability, for example, um, there's no way we'd be anything close to what we are now. And the reason that we are where we are is because we brought in and worked with like better designers than me, better strategists than me, better writers than me. Um, and yeah, that's how we got to where we got to. And having that kind of awareness um i wasn't i wasn't aware of this at the time but like knowing that wanting to work with better people and learn from better yeah it's been the thing that's really helped me that's really interesting I, what sorry i don't know if Ms. millie was going to say ask a question but i think she's frozen again um what was the yeah you guys froze i have no idea what happened there. <laughs> um i wish we did this in person it'd be so much easier wouldn't it <laughs> um I'm so sorry. It's because I live in the countryside. My internet is horrific. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I was just going to say that that's a really good way of thinking about it um, in terms of sort of downfalls in terms of vulnerabilities and rather than I know that I'm a bit, bit of one of those people that if I know I can't, whereas I think as you say, you've got, you've got to be aware that that's not you. That's not you're supposed to be doing and that's where you can collaborate with other people yeah totally and everyone's like everyone will have really like real strengths and you just got to lean into your strengths and and then work with other people you can add to them yeah nice yeah yeah it, so we've if you're a exactly. freelancer or independent designer working on their own is that it doesn't have to be is it just contracting work to your friends who, who's a web developer or contracting work to here and there and like building up a network that way and like f finding people I don't know, on Instagram and, and saying that you can take on the work and then giving it out to someone else or is, is that the, the best way to do it or have you seen another way that might be better? Um, so when I started there wasn't really things like Instagram. Yeah. Um, so it's like, just starting right to 2007 on so social media. I had to do it all in real life. Actually our first client I met at a, uh, if you can believe it, at a networking breakfast. Nice. Um, but like the, the principles are the same right and just like 
the more you can put yourself out in the world and the more open you are to meeting other people and collaborating with people and you know don't see people as competitors see them as collaborators mm. um the easier it's going to be and projects can come from anywhere uh, and so people will bring you work people will bring you interesting possibilities and opportunities so like just getting yourself out there and into the community is just going to be so important Nice. How much is it at, at uh, agency level of the competitor side of it? Is everyone fairly friendly or is it still a, a that's our work, leave us alone sort of thing? <laughs> I think we're all pretty competitive. Uh, everyone wants to win. Everyone yeah. wants all the best projects. And so, yeah. you know, the good, the projects that everyone wants, like everyone will compete pretty hard for. But I do think that the spirit and, and the sense of community between all the different agencies is quite unusual and really positive and you know there's no like no one hates anyone in this wants the best for everybody else and I think in our little world of, of branding like the more we can as a group push branding forward and um, help people understand what branding can do the better so we want the whole category to, to succeed. We want all our competitors to do well because that will be good for us. Nice. All right, well, one question I did have, which might help Millie out as well, is we, we've talked before, Millie, about clients and trying to help them understand why branding is so important to them. And especially at small business level, it's very sometimes very tricky to get the right clients and find yeah. the right people you want to work with. With Ragged Edge, you've got such a clear goal for, or such a clear sort of thought process of finding the right client for you. Are you ever scared of turning down work because the client's not right, or is it just we want to work with you? And if you know if you don't want to work in that sort of way, it won't happen. Um, how how does that translate to finding the right clients at sort of one person level? It's horrible turning down work. Um, yeah, and I, it's 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 certainly not in my nature. Uh, and I come from a you know position where I was just desperate for anything. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely not easy. But I think what we've learned as a business is if you take on the wrong work, it just causes problems. Yeah. And if you, <laughs> you're, I'm sure you've had this experience really where you like, you say anything it takes to get the client. Uh, and yeah. You're like, oh God, now I've got to deliver the work and I can't, you know, I just don't understand these people and they don't get what we're doing and it's, and it's just awful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that those, um, those experiences are important when you first start out. I've, I've learned that now, obviously at the time, um, I, I remember discussing it with Mark quite a lot. I had a really uh, bad client over the summer and um, bad experience at the time. It was obviously awful, but now I feel like I've learned from it. I know what I did wrong. I know what I, what I would have done differently if I did what red flags I think those sorts of experiences are really sort of character building when you're a young designer and starting out early. But as you say, um, it, they are important and it's important to to turn them down <laughs> when when you realise that they're they're wrong. Yes, yeah. many many young designers won't because obviously you're desperate for the work, but it will teach you <laughs> why you should. Yeah, and like it's easy to sit here and say, "Oh, we should turn down work." When like it's often in real life, it's, it's not that easy, is it? But I think exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, you just there is there are definitely the clients out there that will cost you more than they give you, uh, and those are probably the ones to avoid. Um, but you're definitely like 
you know, we all have to make compromises and even yeah. what we're doing now, like not every client is the perfect client. Um, so exactly. You have to I mean, you still got to run a business at the end of the day, haven't you? You still got to make money and turn projects around. But yeah, the, the ones that are more tricky are the ones that test you and probably make you a better designer anyway. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They're the ones you learn the most from. Exactly that. Yeah. Interesting point. How have you seen the uh, new talent that come coming through over the years? How, how have you seen that change? Has there been like a, has there been an increase in sort of uh, design level or quality, or or has it sort of gradually been the same sort of quality level? Um, sort of people coming through into the industry. The um, the mock up game has gone up pretty staggering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like the level of the general presentation of portfolios and things is is phenomenally different right, right. Um, so everything looks a lot slicker and you know people can you know you can make stuff look real can't you and make stuff look amazing so I think from that point of view there is it definitely has improved um, so if it feels as competitive now as maybe it's it's ever been uh, because of that but especially if there's new, if there's no job, well, less job roles as well, and still in the same amount of people graduating. Yeah, yeah. But the ones that stand out are the ones that would have stood out uh, ten years ago. Uh, are the ones with like that can combine that kind of clarity of thinking with um, like really exciting but well crafted execution. Those are the ones that really stand out. Um, it's we're in an ideas business, and an ideas an idea hasn't that hasn't changed. Um, ever really has it. So, uh, if you communicate an idea successfully, you're in a good position. Nice. Yeah, that's good advice for people. Good uh, reassurance. Um, if you if your work's good, though, <laughs> then you've got to make it good. Um, uh, we're on the change sort of subjects and yeah. change and um, uh, going forward. People on social media sometimes, uh, well, a lot of the time change is always a bad thing and they always like, react badly to it. You'll see that when football cover rebrands or a big company rebrands and the design studio gets a load of stick for rebranding it in, in a bad way and then, then like a year later on it's the best rebrand ever. Have you ever come across that? Have you, have you ever faced that sort of disheartening social media outburst? <laughs> uh, we've had bits and pieces. Uh, we've never had a, I don't think we've had a um, project that's really like the haters have really gone to town on. Yeah, um, but it's like it's so interesting that stuff. And like you say, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Like one of one of my things that I sort of cringe about, and one of the things I'm sort of most embarrassed about, really, is um, when uh, Wolf Olins did the 2012 uh, Olympics mm -hmm. stuff. Um, at the time, I thought it was terrible, and I think somewhere on the internet. I signed some sort of petition or something like that to get it changed, which is obviously like ridiculous. And I look back on that now, and for me, that like I think that work was really, really strong and really, really distinctive. And it's kind of like almost like the only um, Olympics logos, the Olympics logo, Olympics branding that really stands out and is interesting and says something about the country and like. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely a different view of looking back on it. <laughs> so it is a good lesson to me that like that first impression, um, you've got a kind of like change is scary, and the unfamiliar like you instantly don't like it, and human beings are conditioned um, for like reasons of survival <laughs> to avoid yeah. things that are unfamiliar. Well, so. the, 
the, the companies that adapt a bit like Laka, uh, you worked with on, on the cycling insurance, and that, that's so that's a clear example of a company that adapts and have fun branding. So maybe it's a bit more relaxed and it's a bit more um, entertaining. And uh, companies like um, Oatly or um, uh, Beyond Meat or, or companies that have these sort of um, more exciting brands, they, they're the ones that seem to be catching people's eyes and seem to be doing the better advertising or um, I'm trying to think of more examples. But yeah, it, how has uh, adapt, adaptation of, of the client uh, gotten them a better position in their industry and how, how have you worked with them to, uh, especially Lacquer, to make them stand out in their industry, an insurance industry where it's particularly not, like they're, they're almost going on, the, they're going on the ragged edge, they're the ones that are going uh, yeah. against the, the grain, I guess. How, how is that, like, why do they stand out to you and how, how did that project go and um, yeah, why has it been so popular? Because that's, that's how I found ragged edge, is through that project. Right. They've got so much good press. Yeah, it did, people seem to love it and I think the reason for that is not solely down to us. Uh, I guess we'll take a bit of credit for it, but what Lacquer are doing is fundamentally different uh, and new, and it's a change that kind of needed to happen in the insurance industry. So the model for insurance is usually uh, the insurer gets paid um, regardless, and they don't. The business model disincentivizes them from paying out. Right. Um, whereas with Lacquer, they've kind of fixed that, and what they're doing is they only get paid when you get paid. <laughs> so okay. they they only get money when um, they pay out. So it completely changes the whole model, uh, and what it means is that everybody's aligned, and it means that then you're on the same team. Uh, and so the branding for Lacquer is all about that idea of being on the same team with the other people um, who are being insured by Lacquer, but also with Lacquer uh, itself. And so because they were doing something so different, um, that gave us real license to do something really distinctive with the brand and really lean into that difference. Mm. And so the whole visual and verbal identity that, uh, for Lacquer is, is all based on this idea of like, clubbing together about everybody working for the same goal and um, we kind of created a brand like a, as, you, as you've seen like almost like a cycling club yeah 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 that was really cool uh, i mean the colors and cycling jerseys are a, a really interesting one at the moment you've seen the i guess you've seen the palace um collaboration recently yes and, and just it just seems the cycling jerseys are the, the big thing for 2020 it's just like it's so much excitement around them and, and a great great work going on <laughs> Yeah, so much wisdom. Did a pretty good job, didn't they, making cycling sexy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you made insurance and cycling sexy, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, um, but that's that's a great example of a company that's going against the grain and really changing their industry. I think uh, I think we can definitely take a leaf out of the book and sort of think about uh, how, how as, a, as an independent designer, or how in just your own career you can you can think about change and. How this whole coronavirus is going to affect you, and how how you're going to react to it. Um, that's what hopefully this podcast has helped people listen to and um, help them think about a little bit is how you're going to react to this uh, this change. Um, yeah, if you've got any uh, questions, maybe before we go into the last few. No, not not really. I think this is this has been a really useful conversation for me. Um, obviously. Actually, like in situation that I want to be in in the future one day, and um, so it's been great to chat. And obviously, you guys do some amazing work, 
And I think, yeah, Mark, you're exactly right in that hopefully a lot of people will take from this conversation um, a lot of advice on how to approach change um, in a much more positive way in like, our personal life and when it comes to your career and how to sort of use it as a motivator and an excuse to do good things rather than being afraid of it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it is definitely, like all change is an opportunity. Um, but you have to be like brave to take the opportunity. It's not always the easy route. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like that. It's that quote, isn't it? Um, nothing changes if nothing changes, which is like the whole idea that if, if you don't let anything change, then like all those things that you want to be that far away. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's... What's going on? Is it your fire alarm at Ragged Edge? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. You don't, we'll go you don't need to evacuate. No worries, do you? No worries. It's all good. Yeah, as long as you're safe, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, gone now. Every, every Wednesday at three o'clock. Oh, it's Tuesday at three o'clock. <laughs> as long as you're safe, it's all fine. Um, no, but you're right. You're 100 right. It's, it's been it's been good. Um, so yeah, the last couple of questions. Uh, what is your best purchase under 100 pounds? It's the first one. Could be anything. It doesn't have to be design related, but these are completely random uh, questions we like to ask people at the end of the podcast. Perhaps for these, shouldn't I? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to send these over just just because it's nice to catch people off guard. <laughs> Best purchase? Not anything at all. Anything yeah, at all. Yeah. Doesn't have to be design related. Well. Doesn't. No. What's that? That's one of those Doesn't have to be with design related. It could yeah. be literally anything. Um. The thing that got me through lockdown was great quality coffee. Nice, good oh, choice. Caravan coffee. Good one. Yeah. Choice. Do you have any life advice? That's the next question. They get a bit deeper, but uh, do, you, do you have any life advice for people listening? I think um, let's keep it on 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 the theme of change, shall we? And just be open to it and embrace it. Um, I spent a lot of my life being scared of it. Mm. Um, but actually, the the real opportunities when stuff gets hard, that's when there are opportunities, and you just kind of got to open your brain to that and be willing to accept that that's the case, uh, and think of it as a positive. I'm trying, I'm still trying to wrap my own head around that. So, <laughs> I, I'd urge people to go and have a look at um, Kali Zen, uh, which is a, a Japanese Japanese philosophy uh, for change and good change and uh, moving forward and having forward momentum and they almost look for it uh, in in anywhere really in the workplace or uh, where any anywhere any situation that can be improved it's called kaizen and then they make the changes and adapt I think it's brilliant and I think that, I mean it's lots we can learn from the Japanese but it's, it's incredible I think that's such a good philosophy I think we need to start having it over here um, I love it. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's good. Um, that, yeah. I'm gonna look, look into it. Yeah, definitely do. Uh, so the last question is, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> do you know what? We um, we ask this to our clients, um, as a, and we ask them to do it in one word, like give us one word um, that will define your uh, legacy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um, I think. For ragged, if if you were asking for like, like ragged agency, yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to like change the way people think about branding uh, a little bit and move things on and get people to look at things in a different way. 
uh, change the way people think about the power of branding and also like what the constraints of it are. Um, and I think every sort of generation of agencies in whatever like field you're in like seems to move the category on uh, a little bit and um, I would love for Ragged Edge to, be, to lead that change um, moving into the next decade I guess. Great stuff, love it, that's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. Looking like forward that. to seeing you guys doing it. <laughs> well, we'll do our best. Yeah, I can't wait. Big Harry, just goals, yeah? Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm going to go and plan something. Um, where can, yeah. do, you, do you know your social media handles? Where can people find you um, and, and check out the work? Uh, yep, uh, so ragged underscore edge uh, on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. Wicked. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been good. It's been a really good chat. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, amazing. And um, what are your hopes, Mark, for Arsenal? How's it's looking all right, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, good win at the weekend. Um, I'm not actually an Arsenal fan, which is a bit strange. But, oh, okay. uh, it's, I obviously want them to do well. Um, so, yeah, the good win at the weekend. Could get into top four if we go on a good run, but I'm thinking fifth or sixth at the moment. Uh, and maybe another FA Cup because we're good at that. <laughs> we got one guy um, here in the studio, uh, a chap called Henry, who um, just lives and breathes. Arsenal, so he, he lives really close to the stadium as well. And um, I think his wedding photo, he won't mind me, probably won't like me saying this, but his wedding photo is uh, in front of you. Amazing. In front yeah. Of you. <laughs> I think you can get, I think you can have your oh, wedding at the Emirates. You can actually have it in, in the stadium, which is incredible. No way. He got married in the stadium, but there's definitely photos of him and his um, all suited up. It's amazing. With that in the background. That's funny. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. Uh, and